Coming up on This Week in Games, EA taps respawn for new DICE Studio leadership, Alienware unveils a Switch-inspired PC, and Tencent is injecting cash into one of Japan's top developers. Coming up, This Week in Games. It's that time of the week for your video game industry news rundown. I'm your host, Eric McConnell, and we are here. New year and new opportunities for the game industry. You may have noticed I've started numbering episodes titles, and we're almost episode 100, and I'm pretty excited. Uh, I sound pretty out of breath. I ran a hot chocolate 15K today, and it was so rough my arms hurt. You know you screwed up when you run nine miles and other parts of your body that weren't even used are sore but enough of my chocolate fueled escapades let's kick it off first up vince Sempella, co-founder of respawn and former lead at infinity ward will head up dice la so dice la was originally dice stockholm support studio but now we will be rebranded as its own independent studio to make its own self-contained games within its house ea has tapped their respawn leadership to head up the studio but interestingly enough, Zampella will continue to lead Respawn as he is heading up DICE LA. So I guess he'll do both at once. I don't know. Zampella told the LA Times that in fact the new studio will pivot from a support studio to a full-on standalone game studio that will produce some titles. Honestly, very smart for EA to beef up this presence in LA. Though EA LA probably... Some of you don't know from back in the day was actually considered like one of the biggest hell holes on earth in the game industry. Um, maybe doing a more positive EA LA or calling it Dice LA like they did. We'll kind of fix that. LA is slowly becoming the game industry capital. SF in the Bay Area had a kind of like meteoric rise during the mobile boom, but more and more talent is aggregating around LA likely due to game developers' affinity for soul-draining traffic and bad air quality. So, congrats, EA. <laughs> Next up, Alienware unveils a concept-portable gaming device called the UFO PC. So, CES is nowadays pretty quiet and was pretty quiet for the game industry this year. Um, you know, CES used to be, they used to have it twice a year, um, a summer and a winter one. And it used to be kind of like what EA became. They would shove all the video, or not EA, gosh, E3. They would shove all the video game companies either in their own tent or off to the side. But video games were like such a big deal. And CES was kind of pissed off that video games were stealing the limelight. I'm just telling this history from my own understanding. Could be completely wrong. Um, that effectively E3 was created from CES as an alternative and, you know, more game industry-centric. So CES is always pretty quiet for the game industry. However, Alienware stirred up some controversy for their UFO PC that is heavily inspired by the Nintendo Switch, and heavily meaning it's a Nintendo Switch. The device has a 1900 by 1200 resolution, an 8-inch screen, 10th-generation Intel processor, has Bluetooth, Wi-Fi, and uses a Thunderbolt as its kind of, like, outlet of choice. Claims to be able to play AAA uh, games on the go. Um, I don't know if you count Switch as AAA. I do. So 
it's not on parity with the Switch, probably more powerful. This would be crazy to see kind of like this thing go public. It could be a turning point where PCs are no longer synonymous with mouse and keyboard, but instead kind of like an open platform for anyone to make money on. And you, we're kind of seeing that, like you're seeing Microsoft test the waters with releasing games on Nintendo's platforms. Um, you're seeing like cloud gaming, although it's not rising like it people thought it would. Uh, cloud gaming kind of opening up the game industry to all these other like devices and platforms. And frankly, why not? Why can't the PC just overtake consoles? I mean, it comes out faster. The only thing hard about it is with a PC like this, you're effectively going to treat it as a console. It just plays PC games because you can't change out the components. You can't upgrade anything. So then what are you going to say? Like, how are you going to let people know that, you know, Cyberpunk 2077 can or cannot be played on this UFO PC? Things get murky there. And that's where kind of like consoles have the lockdown by numbering them or naming them like Switch versus Wii U or PlayStation 3 versus PlayStation 4. Either way, it's awesome. I love like strange devices. Um, if anyone remembers those Linux portable uh, PCs coming out of, I think it was South Korea, it could have been China, like 10 years ago. I love those. I love all this weird stuff in the game industry. So congrats, Alienware. Let's hope that UFO PC sees the light of day. All right. Speaking of China, Healthy China 2030 is a new initiative that aims to crack down on content for the largest video game market on the planet. So 12 different Chinese government agencies aim to crack down on this, like on the content like online gambling, pornography, and violence. What does this mean? Well, frankly, it could mean absolutely nothing, or it could be yet another layer of Chinese bureaucracy to launching a game in China, so we'll have to see. I mean, whenever this stuff gets announced, it could be the end of the game industry, or, you know, just face-saving press. Who knows? <laughs> Next up, this is really sad. Um, Maria Ramilla, I'm sorry if I said that right, Cravelling, the first woman to compete professionally in the League of Legends Championship Series, passed away. So Maria was 24. She played on Team Renegades in 2015 and retired due to nerve damage she received from a surgery. Very sad. Um, she's very young and accomplished so much, being the first woman to compete in League's LCS. Um, huge achievement. And, yeah, it's sad. I mean, I normally don't... It's it's like I normally cover, you know, someone who worked on some game from the 80s uh, passed away. It's very rare, if not almost never, do we see esports people because esports is so young. So this is kind of like... It's pretty rough. You know, um, but yeah, sad to see that news. But let's switch. Let's go to business news. First up, Platinum Games takes an investment from Tencent. What? Yes, Platinum Games is one of the kingpins of the action game genre with hits like Bayonetta, Astral Chain, and the kind of like universally acclaimed Near Autonoma. Platinum Games has recently taken capital investment from the gaming index itself, Tencent, but it's unclear what equity, if any, exchange hands as Platinum is adamant that leadership was unaffected by the investment. President and CEO Kenichi Sato stated investment was to, quote, strengthen our foundation as a business and expand from game development into exploring self-publishing. So, Platinum Games co-founders have expressed their desire to never work with a publisher again to GameIndustry.biz. Back in 2018, 
as most of their most famous IP is owned fully by the publisher that published said IP, kind of leaving Platinum Games with no hard assets. So if you think about it like this, like Platinum Games made Bayonetta, you know, no publisher made it. No publisher came to them and like, you know, broke down how to implement like level design for this type of action game, but Platinum Games doesn't own Bayonetta. And so although they got revenue, um, revenue share likely, or and maybe shipping bonuses for making Bayonetta, they don't own it. And so really the owner of the IP, maybe there's some agreement, we don't know, but the owner of IP theoretically could just go to someone else from software and from software can make a Bayonetta game. And so that's kind of like the real value of a development studio is the IP they created and the characters that people kind of like fall in love with and the stories and settings and so on and so on. And also just owning the game, they could re-release Bayonetta on PC and get the revenue from that. So I think in this day and age with uh, private money coming from PC and VC firms, private debt and giant indexers like Tencent, it makes no sense for talented companies to make big games for publishers who then owned the IP and game afterwards. I think, you know, Respawn and EA clearly had a great arrangement. And I think it just makes sense. You know, uh, recently last year, Bungie split off from Activision, uh, took a, what, what was it, $100 million from NetEase, and they're likely going to self-publish their next title. So just makes sense. So much private money going around. Um, you know, why? You know, why cripple your studio? All right, next up, Nexon sells gloops for one yen. And reminder, everyone, one yen is generally, depending on markets, less than one penny. So this reads as a big fuck you by Nexon. Um, gloops was originally acquired in 2012 for $468.4 million when Gloops was one of the largest Japanese mobile game developers. Nexon originally hoped Gloops was, would boost its mobile revenue Instead, Gloops kind of uh, Gloops its own revenue declined significantly as it's failed to recapture its early magic. I think it said the last the article said the last two years it declined by thirty percent each year, year over year, um, with net losses of hundreds of millions of yen for the last three years. Nexon stated Gloops would require too much management restructuring to make cash flow balance. That means even. So I'd rather just drop the studio altogether, and damn, that's rough. I mean, this is something we just don't see that often, and it's pretty freaking brutal. Uh, your studio is so bad, and you've been so bad for years, and it would take so much effort to even make you, like, plausibly make it, like, you being kept as a studio plausible. And, you know, the article didn't say this. This is implied that you don't really have any actual talent to poach from the studio. Like, there's no one for gloops to just take or, like, that, you know, just go away. That's what Nexon said. Go away. You know, we float at you and your net losses of hundreds of millions of yen for the last three years. Just go away. That's terrible. Um, but, hey, that's business people, so... I, I don't know. I don't know if it's good news or bad news for gloops. Uh, probably good news for Nexon. <laughs> Next up. The Embracer Group acquires Tarzier Studios for $10.5 million. So the Embracer Group, formerly known as THQ Nordic AB, has been heavily covered on this podcast for, well, acquisitions. I think I mean, I did a whole episode deep diving into the history of this group. If you listen to this podcast, you've heard them a billion times. Well, this week was no different as the Tarzier Studios, their 65 employees, and all of their IP was acquired 
Sans Little Nightmares and Stretchers, which are owned by Bandai Namco and Nintendo respectively, everything else was acquired by the Embracer Group. However, the Embracer Group wants Tarzier to continue to operate independently, which can mean either a number of things. Like, when I read that, when you just outright buy a studio and then you say, keep operating independently, you're not, like, forcing them to use certain IPs, you're not making them support stuff. Neither means the books were, like, just completely solid at Tazir Studios. Maybe Tazir Studios had debt that they couldn't cover the margins on and, you know, needed coverage. Or maybe Tazir Studios, like, their owners wanted a big payout and they kind of wanted out. Probably one of those things, one of those three things were true. Um, however, the Embracer Group is generally a hands-off acquirer. They're just kind of like a holding company. You can think of them like a less sophisticated Tencent in a way I don't know um just interesting all around just interesting to buy Tarzier Studios I think they were working on uh Little Nightmares 2 at the time maybe they're working on it right now just just a weird acquisition but frankly that's what THQ Nordic does and that's what the Embracer group does so we expect nothing less all right next up Team 17 Team 17 acquires Yippie Entertainment $1.8 million. So Team 17 is known for the Worm series, and they're also the publisher of Overcooked and Overcooked 2. Yippie Entertainment is a Manchester-based work-for-hire studio that's put out original games starting a chimpanzee. I think the there's like three of them, and the name of the games are some kind of pun or play on words off of chimpanzees. I don't know. <laughs> According to the press release, Yippie will work on original IP and other IP owned by Team 17, effectively becoming their own in-house dev studio, just basically taking a work-for-hire studio, buying them for pretty cheap, and then uh, turning them around and saying, okay, make this stuff. Seems like a good <laughs> good go all around. All right, got two bad news stories to end up the business section. First up, Razer is closing its San Francisco office. So 19 employees of the hardware and peripheral giant will be laid off in the closing this is a move to make the Irvine, California, the company's North American headquarters. Little story, when I first moved to San Francisco in 2012, I used to walk past Razor's offices all the time on 3rd Street. I lived on 3rd Street. They were off of 3rd Street. Um, you know, they had cool-looking offices. Sad to see them close up, especially because, you know, anyone who's, been in, anyone who's been in Soma in San Francisco has been to the Westfield Mall here, and Razor has, like, right across from... Uh, Right across from Ted Baker, yes, I, I can't afford Ted Baker clothes, but I love the way they look. So I go into Ted Baker and that Westfield Mall and some all the time. Right across, there's a Razor store, flagship, like Razor-only Razor store. Sad to see them close up and leave San Francisco, especially with something like that, and it's still in the city, but it is what it is. Lastly, Fantasy Flight Interactive will be shut down. So the digital wing of the fame card and board game maker is shutting down. Fantasy Flight Interactive was started in 2017. Their original mission was to bring the amazing board and card games to console, PC, and mobile. Gamma Sutra is reporting around 10 employees have been laid off from the shutdown. Anecdotally, Fantasy Flight is easily one of the best out there in their industry. Like, play any of their LCGs, play any of their board games. Um, God, I really got deep deep-ish into their uh, re-release of Legend of the Five Rings as an LCG. So good. So much fun. Um, they had 
the uh, what is it called? The Game of Thrones LCG. They have tons of endlessly great board games. They have miniature games like the X-Wing series. I mean, just all around great company who does great things. Sad to see they couldn't make interactive and digital entertainment work, but you know what? It's opportunity for other people. If you guys out there want to make a Fantasy Flight digital game, call them up right now. They actually might be making deals, so I'll leave that to you guys. All right. If you like what you hear, please hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcast app. Also, leave me a comment. Let me know how I'm doing. Kicked off 2020, guys. Um, I think this is going to be a big year, and I'm really excited for the rest of the year. We got consoles coming out. We have tons of great games coming out. Cyberpunk is finally coming out, and uh, it's probably going to be a lot more (laughs) acquisitions by the Embracer Group, a lot more investments by Tencent. A lot more of the same, and I'll be here to bring it to you every week. I'm Eric McConnell, and that's it for this week in games.